0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 15 through 20, the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 1 through 21, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, verse 25 through 33, and Psalm 1. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. These words in our gospel reading from Luke this morning may feel a little bit harsh. Jesus is addressing the large crowds of people traveling with him, and he says, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, Brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is hard content, and not only is the content hard, It's negative statement after negative statement filled with does not cannot. So how do we reconcile this notion of hate for family members, for life itself with the Jesus we know who calls us to love? I have a friend out at the Transfiguration Spirituality Center that I see every couple of months. Earlier in the summer, they expressed a lot of appreciation for the First Nations version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament. So I acquired a copy. And as with many books, I hadn't had a chance to open it. Then when I was visiting again, just this past week, they suggested that when I'm reading the lectionary, that I might look for the translation In this version and knowing what our lesson was for today I was eager to look at anything else this translation shifted the tone mightily the negative statements have largely been replaced with positive ones the translation reads the ones who come to me must put me first Above all others. To walk the road with me, they must love and respect me above their own fathers and mothers, wives and children, and aunties and uncles. They must love me even more than their own lives. Only the ones who are willing to follow me and carry their own crossbeam are ready to walk the road with me and learn my ways. You must count the cost of following me, for all who are not willing to give up all they have are not ready to walk the road with me and learn my ways. The tone is so dramatically different. It does not feel in conflict with Jesus' call to love, but it also doesn't minimize what we are being asked. That to be a disciple we must place Jesus, following Jesus above everyone and everything else. Regardless of language, this is still not a small thing that we are challenged with. It may challenge us mightily because of, and despite our desire to follow the way of Jesus, the way of love. In addressing these gospel verses you may have noticed i skipped over the whole discussion of estimating the cost making sure that we are prepared to pay the cost much has been written about the cost of discipleship but i found myself reflecting on our constant weighing of cost as we simply negotiate our lives a few weeks ago i was visiting my family in salt lake city My 11-year-old granddaughter, Elia, has developed a new evening routine of playing basketball with her neighbor, uh, a woman next door with with grown children. She's a delightful woman, and the two of them had been playing horse every single evening. So when I arrived, they invited me to join them, and I was so delighted to be included that I immediately said yes. And as I'm standing out there in the driveway, I'm kind of remembering that it's been some time since I've played horse. And then as I'm standing there, the realization is dawning that perhaps it's been at least a couple of decades since I have shot a basket. But I'm out there, and I'm game, and I even make some shots. It's not until about the third evening of this that midway through a shot, I feel the sensation in my shoulder. It's a definite pull and one that doesn't really allow me the full range of the shot and I start weighing the cost. I want to be playing with my granddaughter and our friend, but my shoulder is hurting. I'm silently processing. I know so many people with shoulder injuries, some of them you. And I know people who have needed shoulder surgery, again, some of them you. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this will settle down. Maybe this will be okay because I want to keep playing. A few missed shots later, I'm thinking, but maybe I wouldn't be able to even lift the chalice during the Eucharistic prayer. That cost was too high. We switched to four square. Maybe you found yourself in a similar situation where there's something you want to do, and all of a sudden you realize the cost is more than you're willing to pay. Last week, my son decided he would try out Elia's new hoverboard. Within only a few moments, he found himself sprawled on the ground facing the sky. It was an immediate assessment. Nope, looks interesting, but the cost is too high. Our minds start processing cost. We start processing costs in our decisions. And we're recognizing at times when the costs may be rising or already too high. But lots of times we need to make cost assessments in order to move forward. We all face choices throughout our daily lives, and even the most positive choices have a cost to them. We may decide to pursue a new career opportunity, but the cost may be forsaking the familiarity and the competence we have developed over years. We may be losing the companionship of colleagues who we treasure. We may be facing longer hours and a steeper learning curve. We may choose to move to a new home, but the cost may be the expense of a move and a higher mortgage or if downsizing the decisions as to what we are prepared to let go of. And in either case, possibly the loss of dear neighbors who have become part of our lives. Even those things that pull us forward have a cost to them. We may be confronted with painful choices for ourselves or loved ones, decisions about best treatment approaches for an illness, or even when to cease treatment, best care arrangements for a family member needing more support. We can look at the pluses and minuses of each option, but whatever our choices, there is a consciousness that there is a cost—a cost of the path not chosen. We had a beautiful memorial service for Alan Mansler yesterday, and. His son and his grandson both shared beautiful memories. They spoke of him so lovingly, his sharing of his interests, his teaching them, his coaching them, his patience, his presence in their lives, but above all, his love. Alan was a gifted doctor who had blazed trails in his field of nephrology that had saved the lives of countless people. But What his family knew of Alan was his heart and his love. At the end, for most of us, we will find it comes down to love. So what are we willing to give for love? What are we willing to surrender for love? How do we balance the choices and the costs in our lives when my son was in seventh grade, he was sick for almost all of a year. He was home, and I had someone who could be there with him, but I wanted to be there with him. I loved my son. He was a miracle to me, a gift from God, and nothing was more important to me than his well being. And I needed to pay our bills and continue our health insurance. As a single mom, I needed to be employed for our family's sake. So I chose to work throughout the week, and every evening, every weekend, every non-working hour was dedicated to my son. There was going to be a cost whatever I chose. Sometimes all we can do is lean into our circumstance, weigh the costs, and pray. These may seem like small costs compared to the cost Jesus is asking about, but I don't believe they are really that separate at all. Jesus is asking us to put following him before anyone and anything else. And we do that through the myriad decisions we make throughout every day, throughout every day of our lives. Are we choosing love? Are we choosing care for those in need? Are we choosing relationships with people, with causes that support justice, freedom, and care for God's creation? Are we choosing to offer our gifts, our resources, our time and skills to God and to each other? Are we choosing in each moment to walk in Christ's love? Regardless of whatever else, We may be going on around us, may be happening to us, may be filling our minds and our hearts. Are we choosing to walk in God's love? Mary Oliver included a beautiful epilogue in her volume of poetry titled, Thirst. You can see it's a well-marked version of mine. And in the epilogue, she wrote, another morning and I wake with thirst for the goodness I do not have. I walk out to the pond and all the way God has given us such beautiful lessons. O Lord, I was never a quick scholar, but sulked and hunched over my books past the hour and the bell. Grant me in your mercy a little more time. Love for the earth, and love for you are having such a long conversation in my heart. Who knows what will finally happen or where I will be sent? Yet already I have given a great many things away, expecting to be told to pack nothing except the prayers, which with this thirst I am slowly learning. We all are slowly learning what it means to follow Jesus. We all wrestle moment to moment, seeing both the gift and the cost. In each moment, may we always seek to walk in Christ's love. Amen.